You're listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Council. In today's episode we'll be discussing LGBTQ plus safety and resources that can help create safe spaces. We know this is a really important topic and we wanted to discuss this for a really long time now. So to help me discuss this I have a couple of people who have joined. I'd like to firstly introduce you to Molly who will be hosting the podcast today. Hi everyone. As Marianne said, I'm Molly. This will be my first podcast as an employee. You may recognise me from previous podcasts as an ex-service user. Thank you. Thank you, Molly. It's so great to have you join our team. We also have Jay. Hi, I'm Jay. I am one of the suicide prevention and digital participation leads at CAMS in Bedford. And I'm here as as a trans person to talk about my experiences Thank you, Jay. And then we have Sassy. Hi, I'm Sassy, Digital Participation and Suicide Prevention Lead for Bedfordshire and Newton Cairns, and I'm gender fluid. So I'm also here to talk about my experiences. Thank you, Sassy. We also have Ash joining us. Hi, I'm Ash. Um, While I'm not employed entirely by CAMS, I work very closely with them, and I am also gender fluid here to talk about my experiences in life. Amazing. Thank you, Ash. And last but not least, we have Matt joining us as well. Hi, yeah, I'm Matt. I'm People Participation Worker for Equality and Diversity. More importantly, I'm also a co-chair and co-founder of Rainbow Bedfordshire. Thank you. So to get us started, could you briefly explain what a safe space is and what it means to you, Matt? I would say that a safe space is anywhere you can get away from that anxiety of being trans or gender fluid, non-binary but it's a space where you don't feel judged, where you're amongst your peers, but you also want to be amongst allies as well, that validate who you are. I completely agree. When you think of the word like safe space, you think of a small room with comfy things and lots of pride flags everywhere. Yeah, that's lovely. But a real safe space, it's like taking a deep breath. And it's that like feeling of relaxation, complete safety and being settled, knowing that you're not going to be at risk physically or emotionally, but also feeling supported and like you don't stand out. Yeah, it's like having having those spaces as exclusive, dedicated spaces. Having that separate space is really nice. And then also a way to feel connected to the wider community. And then just a place where you can relax and not feel on edge about who you are. And I suppose going off that, like safe spaces are different for quite literally everyone. So for me, my safe space would be like my bedroom or like my friend's house. But like they can range from quite literally like anywhere because that's just somewhere where you as a person feel safe and not I know like was mentioned by Jay and Sassy you feel at ease you don't feel like there's any pressure on you at all so whether that's like a room or that's a person I know that Sassy mentioned like especially in schools their safe spaces can be like a whitewashed room with like a beanbag and they deem that like a safe space for someone and I know that they can even bring on more pressure because There was like a study done ages ago about painting of the walls in schools cause more stress on students because of just how harsh they are and just the pressure that they cause. But yeah, I think it's it's different for for each and every person because like we say, no two people are ever the same. 
I think something that comes with a safe space as well is kind of that representation. I know I said about like not feeling like you stick out. I mean, sticking out isn't a bad thing, but when you walk into a room, you don't want to feel like the odd one out places where you feel supported and represented so I, I would probably say my go-to safe space would be the theatre company that I work with because that's a place I've been settled in for years but there's no judgment it's all support like it wasn't a shock when I came out no one was like whoa that's that's crazy because one they could kind of see it coming but it wasn't a big deal to them like they care as in they care to support me and want me to be happy in my well-being but it wasn't this big overwhelming thing that I thought it was going to be and that was like really nice kind of contrast from other places that I'd experienced. It's just having that shared knowledge I suppose as well not necessarily talking about these topics all the time in these spaces but just knowing that you're all feeling the same can be really beneficial and also you can, you can kind of sense it when a space is like that you don't necessarily know how to describe it but you can just sense the fact that everyone is comfortable and it feels safe you don't feel it often I'm not gonna lie so when you do notice it it's it's really nice and, and good. Yeah and I think there's something about when you're in a space where there's people with that shared knowledge that shared lived experience that you can actually laugh about stuff that might be actually outside of that space might have felt really intense and might have been a past experience and you can kind of share similar experiences but actually see the funny side and I spend a lot of my life trying to pretend something's funny but actually when you're around people who share how ridiculous something was there's something quite cool about that the shared knowledge is really important as well for those in the safe spaces that aren't a part of the community but are allies it's the trust that they're educated it's the trust that they've made an effort they're not necessarily going to get everything right but they're going to try because they've made the effort to be educated like you're not in danger they kind of know what's going on there's like a big feeling of trust there and i think that comes with the safety yeah and allies hold so much power don't they as well they don't realize how much power so if they want to learn more, they want to be educated. You just know that they want to know you as a person more. And actually, as they're the ones with power, the more allies we've got, then the better. Recently, somebody asked me, oh, I want to come along to something that you facilitate. And can I bring my friend who's a straight cis ally? And I said, well, if they want to come along, of course you can. How can I say no? <laughs> I'm really pleased. So, yeah, there's something about allyship not being excluded from those spaces and that actually they can make those spaces safer because they're a safe part of the outside world that can make you feel stronger when you're out there. It's the allies that are there to support, not to speak over. I think a lot of people, and I've seen this with quite a lot of kind of, I guess they brand it as activism, but where they're so supportive that they smother the voices of those in the community and it's like, thanks I think but also you're kind of shouting over us like we're not loud for a reason but we're gonna get there we just need a little bit more time in this so kind of shouting over us and taking our voices away kind of is a bit counterproductive I think like there's a lot of misinformation especially on the internet people saying that we don't want straight cis people in our spaces and things like that and it's like it's the understanding that there's a time and a place it's then the ones that are educated enough and have gone off of their own back to kind of be supportive get it and kind of go okay this is like you take the floor like we're right behind you but this is your space and you need to protect that go on and then you've got kind of the ones that it almost feels a little bit performative where they're kind of like yeah, we understand, but I'm not going to talk over you. And it's like, oh, come on, you were so close. <laughs> it's 
is that where the word woke comes into things a little bit? Is that the real woke? Um, <laughs> when really it's about themselves, isn't it? It's about, yeah. you know, making themselves appear to be a better human. And really the better human is the one that listens and the one that helps you find that platform, supports you to speak, as opposed to kind of listening, kind of getting some right, some wrong, and then being loud about it. And in terms of people who are not allies, they're generally the clearest non-ally is the person who says, I don't see why you need that space. I don't see why you need something separate. I think that the real ally is often the one that says, you know, I might not understand why you need that space, but can you explain and can I come along and join you? Can I learn more from you rather than the, you're excluding me? You know, I feel fragile about it. It's kind of like that thing I remember when I was in school, but also like looking back now when it would come to London Pride, there would be these people from school posing, posing and take, putting pictures on social media at Pride. And I'm thinking, you literally bully me. Like, what the hell's going on here? And I think you can really tell the difference, not just because of things they've done, but also the way thing, people go about things. And, you know, there's a difference between doing that and then actively uh, advocating or just standing up for people, not necessarily doing extremely massive gestures, but doing your bit. Yeah, and it's the real standing up for people. It's not jumping in and assuming that you need to take a stand on that person's behalf when they haven't asked you to. I think there's a lot of that that happens. And that makes us seem like a very sort of oppressive community because you've got loud people saying things we didn't ask them to say and that we don't really think. We hadn't thought of it till they said it. But rather than us being oversensitive, it's people being oversensitive on our behalf. And then it looks like that's us and that, that people can't connect with us because we're defensive in some way. I think you've got that idea that links in, I think it's like toxic activism. It's the way that you'll have these people who will deem themselves allies and then there'll be the same people that go, well, my cousin, friend, so-and-so is gay, so doing this is okay, saying this is okay. And then it's it's toxic activism versus genuine activism, like Sassy and Jay and Macable mentioned. You will have these genuine allies who will stand there and support you no matter what but they will not overshadow you if they know they don't have a say in a certain conversation they won't try and force an opinion there used to be someone at my school who thought she quite literally knew everything there was to know about kind of the lgbt community and the trans community right after i came out and said i know exactly what you're going through and i was like do you do you really? The kind of stuff she would say and like the way she would act, I'd kind of go, okay, I, I get what you're trying to do. Whereas I would try and take it as like an offhanded joke. But then I kind of had to stop and go, well, you say this to someone who isn't going to take this as a joke. You're genuinely going to be along the lines of a hate crime or verbally assaulting someone. And it's just, yeah, it's the idea of toxic activism and people almost, I think, rainbow capitalism. And we'll probably get onto that a bit later. But yeah, it's toxic um, activism versus kind of genuine. I just wish people would ask more genuine questions. When you're growing up with it, and obviously like I'm, I'm only 20, like I'm not claiming to be like all old and wise and everything. But I remember it was almost like a culture shock of when I came out and I was actually out with people that were genuinely supportive around me. Like the ones that asked questions or asked what I preferred. And like, I remember having a conversation with my partner about what terms could be used and couldn't and like how to make me feel comfortable. And I remember, sadly, I remember feeling really shocked. Looking back, it shouldn't have been a shock because back then I was like, oh my, 
they're making an effort and this is so lovely and, and it's like that should kind of be the standard why <laughs> why am i praising the bare minimum sadly it isn't the bare minimum at the minute because it's not happening everywhere the people that genuinely go like hey just going to pick your brain a second and it's like a genuine question or they're worried about something or they're worried about getting it wrong or my pronouns were a big thing when I came out because like what does that mean and then kind of explaining it to family members and things and you can see the ones that go yeah okay but then kind of don't educate themselves and then the ones that go okay sure and then go and read a book about it and learn and they want to like make an effort or like this year was the first year that I didn't get any birthday cards with a female term on it and that was like a massive deal to me because this is like they have genuinely made the effort to try and make me feel safe and supportive and I was like I was so overwhelmed I cried but it's like it's those little things that seem so easy that mean the genuine world to kind of our community because it's not the standard yeah and we've just had Christmas and it's so lovely to get a Christmas card that says to my son and his partner. A simple thing that's lasting and really significant and, may, and means that families have made a shift. Yeah, and I think that, that feeling doesn't really go away. Transitioning for, for quite a lot of years now, I still feel those things when those things happen. And I hope that never stops. And it takes you off guard. And it, yeah, it's, it's really nice. You don't, I don't think you kind of get used to it, but you also you don't. You don't take it for granted. It's the ultimate validation when people are close to you and people even you didn't think were that close to you. It's almost like it brings them closer to give you a card or send you a small note or even just send you a text or something. And there's something in there that references your gender and it not in a tokenistic way, not in a false way, but it's like, yeah, you get it. It's the ultimate validation. And I think validation is so important to us. Yeah, well, I mean, mentioning Christmas, I spent it with my extended family and I think Jay, Sassy, Mac, you'll kind of know being gender fluid and trans around the Christmas time going to extended family. It's not always that fun. And um, But this year was the first year officially using Ash as my name. It was the 2022 was the year I got my deed poll and the year my name was legally changed. So it was kind of Ash's first Christmas in a sense. And um, what made me cry was seeing all my presents, was seeing that they all said Ash. And it was just that tiny little gesture, just those three letters of just my name. I just literally, I was sat on the floor in my nan's living room crying. And my mum was like, why are you crying? My mum says Ash. Like, you could barely understand what I was saying. But it's just something so small as doing that. I mean, while it should kind of be the standard, especially for those close to you, just seeing it just having that moment of this is real that's me on that that's my name that's me I think it's kind of just that like euphoric feeling especially around the holidays because I know they can be so difficult for kind of people like us under the gender fluid um under the trans umbrella because we just uh, kind of struggle with the dead naming and the misgendering but I think just something so little like that can just make a day if anything especially around that time of year I think it's because it's so genuine as well. There's a difference between something like that and then an experience I've had in the past where someone used the wrong pronoun for me and someone I was with was like, uh, no, actually, she uses they. And I'm like, oh, it's so close. <laughs> like, the, the intention was pure, but also yeah. wrong. No, yeah, that's happened. <laughs> so it's like, that's, that's someone that's trying. And I still was like, thank you for doing that. But just so you know, moving forward, that wasn't great. But that was an attempt. And quite frankly, I'll take what I can get at this point. It's the knowing that someone is trying and getting it right 
because they're educated. My contact being changed on like my parents' phone from my dead name to like my new name, just something so little as that is quite sweet to me. It can make you so happy. Don't know about you guys, but I keep everything and I've got the first of all those sorts of things and they'll probably never throw them away. And I think that's, that's a really nice thing. And like you said, it's the things changing your name in your in your phone. And I remember I came out in year seven or eight and I remember when I left my school and we signed shirts, one of my teachers wrote like good luck Jay on it. And I obviously had a different name at that point, but he he knew my new name. And I remember being like, what, what the hell's going on? And obviously on the shirt, it had my other name on it all over every other place. But I've still got that and I, I'm very tempted to like cut it out and just like put it in a box or something. <laughs> but yeah, little things like that, like he probably didn't realise how big of an impact that would have. But at that time, it, it meant everything. There's something about words and how important words are to us. And that's not in a shallow, silly way that is kind of depicted, kind of like we're, we're just being difficult people. They really matter. And when they're written down and it's a permanent record, not just of how that person is feeling or what they're trying to do, but that it's a permanent record for you yourself to remember not only that they're a good person, but that they understand who you are. There's something quite significant, very, very significant. I recently had a conversation with my partner's grandma about what non-binary is. And she said, oh, is that one of these new things? So I started going into history and she just zoned out. I stopped listening. I thought, no, it's clearly too much. And that's not just to do with them being old or anything like that. It's to do with a, a generation and a life experience that finds it hard to shift. And that all in all, what I was trying to say to her is I thought words matter to us and, and that language matters and that everyone needs to try. And we're not making anything up. This is all already there. I love it as well when you can see that people don't entirely get it but they still care and respect about you as a person to try like I, I remember the first time my partner's mum used they them for me and I, I cried because I was like this was such a big deal because I know she doesn't completely understand and there was kind of it was something that I was really anxious about and for a while I was like no so we're just not gonna tell her we're just we're just not gonna tell her and then I'll just like I'll just deal with it and um and my partner was like no like i I, I don't want you to do that to yourself come on let's we'll have the conversation and she tries and she corrects people around her and I know for a fact that she doesn't completely get it if she gets it at all but it's the effort of like nope you've said this you said you would like this so I'm going to do this and it's like that's what makes a safe space or a safe person or someone that you can trust in is that even if they don't understand they respect and care about you enough as a person to do it anyway yeah I had something similar um, I went to meet my current partner's extended family recently and I was so kind I was like bricking it I was like oh my god like because obviously I've known I've known who my, my current partner for, for years and years before we started dating and I had met some members of the family but that was that was when I was still under the disguise of sort of my my old name like I still had my long blonde hair I hadn't cut it yet so it had been a good five, six years since they had all last saw me. So it was like, oh my God, this is going to be like a Bruce Wayne and Batman situation. Like, are they even going to know who the hell I am? And what I didn't know is that my partner had actually sat down her like entire extended family and gone, okay, run down. And then saying like my pronouns and that I know now go by Ash. And it was, like, we just had dinner and it was just such an amazing experience because I was so scared about getting like this gender or dead name, like accidentally. But then it was when they sit like just at the door when they greeted me as Ash or when I was referred to saying, oh, 
like this is so-and-so's partner I was like it was just such a euphoric feeling because I had spent so long hiding in a sense behind like my long hair and hiding behind my old name because I went to such like a, a strict secondary school that would just like you can be yourself but also you've got to dress and look like everyone else but it was so cool and it's just those little things those little things in life that when we realize they should be the norm but for us they become like those special moments like the call it id tags on phones or like letters and cards i think it's just those little moments in life especially for people who have spent so many years battling for their chosen name for their actual name to be be used in commonplace rather than like their old name like i haven't heard my old name since probably this time last year and that's such like a an amazing moment like even my great grandparents when i went to go see my great granddad recently he called me ash and i was just like hmm? i was speechless i was like what's going on here i was just those little things like that just make everything just that little bit better yeah i think when things are so scary and so difficult you've got to pick out those moments of joy no matter how small they seem there's, there's nothing to be ashamed about that and I don't think these things should necessarily be labelled big or small because they can seem tiny but still have a big impact and that's pretty epic. Yeah, I think we hear the term gender dysphoria a lot but I think there's something about gender euphoria and th- those are two huge extremes but the difference between a pronoun being used correctly or incorrectly the difference between euphoria and dysphoria and that's huge. It's also that generational thing as well. I know that like grandparents can kind of be a bit of a buffer when it comes to especially changing my name. I know I was so scared to kind of tell my nan, but it turns out my nan was more chill with it than I thought she would be. Like I was sat at dinner and she was just like, so Ash, I was like, me? Me. I'm so thankful to have such a supporting family. My aunt got so excited when she found out what the gender neutral term for niece or nephew was and I did not. Nibbling nibbling and my 17th birthday card like a little lego figure of the gender fluid flag with happy 17th to my nibbling and i was like i'm gonna cry wow she was there on urban dictionary i don't i don't actually know this is the best word on the planet i love it i think you can be really surprised sometimes by people's reactions especially when you assume that because people are older they're not gonna get it i know my great nan we didn't tell her for years because we were like she's in her 90s but she was like 96 and we thought we're gonna have to tell her now because it's been a while and I think like my mum told her she was just like okay oh I knew someone back when I was in the war and I was like what wow and just asked what name I wanted to use and use that straight away she's 96 like how great is that didn't even bother her like (laughs) it's just that willingness I suppose to to learn and just listen and take it in and not shut it down or not be scared of it I remember telling my grandparents without telling them, oh, I'm just going to drop this subject in, see how you react, and then I might make the grand reveal. I led without, oh, I've got a friend, and I, I did that tactic. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay, Mm-mm. how does that work? And he was more interested in the logistics side than anything else. It was the most awkward conversation I think I've ever had in my whole life, because my granddad wanted to know the ins and outs of every surgery and how expensive it is and and if I was to change my name would I have to get a new passport and oh wow that's really expensive I wouldn't want to do that he didn't have like any comments or anything and he just wanted to know like logistically how does that work and I remember like when I told them that I was queer in my sexuality like everyone else knew in the family and again I was so scared to mention it and I called my nan and I was like hi can you just put me on speaker and I kind of just went I like girls as well. 
and I don't really mind about gender. And I was like so, so scared. And my granddad called me a silly bugger. My nan laughed and was like, does it make a difference to us, love? Like, whatever you want to, whoever you want to be with, as long as they make you happy, that's fine with you. My granddad made some kind of comment about like, does this mean we could check out women together now? And I was like, oh, no. But it was like, that was the most perfect reaction I could have got because they like just genuinely did not care. And my granddad gave me the same speech he gave me when I first told him I had a boyfriend of like, if he hurts you, like if if she hurts you, it's the same rules applies, like it's not on, you're, you're, you're still my grandchild. And that was that. And it's never been brought up again. But occasionally, like if I was seeing a girl at the time, my granddad would ask questions about how she was and like what she was up to, what she did for a living and like a genuine interest and that was like something that was so pure I guess and I like I really shouldn't have been that scared but I think again it was the generational thing but just like knowing that they just they don't care they just want me to be happy it's such like a a nice and content feeling (laughs) I think it's one of them things with with coming out you no matter how except you assume what you think your family might be you're still going to be terrified and I think as well like you said about wanting to know all the all the technical details I think so often it's seen as the wrong thing to ask. But I think you often can tell in the context why someone's asking and if that's just the way that person can process that sort of information. I found this really weird situation. When I started sick form, my current name was yet to be legalised. I haven't gone, I hadn't gone through the deed poll process. So I kind of went, and because I do coursework subjects, my name must have gone when it has to be sent up to the examiners, all this, that and the other. So I kind of went to one of my teachers and I went, hi, you've probably never had to do this before. But which name do I put on like my A-level coursework? Because I remember having this like proper aneurysm over, oh my God, my A-levels are going to be in the wrong name. They won't be my A-level. Because the sick form, for some reason whatsoever, hasn't had to deal with this before. They've got no idea what to do. So I'm stuck in this loophole of my A-level coursework needs to be sent off in like a month. And I haven't got the confirmation for my legal name yet. Just internal screaming. What do I do when I go for a job? What do I do about proof of finishing education? You can request a copy of any exam certificates in your new name. They just want proof of your deed file. And then they just send you another lot so you can get your GCSEs updated as well. Oh that you can you just contact whatever exam board and say, hi, I've actually changed my name. This is my new name, proof of deed file. And then it gets sent off and they return everything back to you. You're a lifesaver. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I am going to be This is the thing, like, because a lot of schools don't really know what to do. So you have to find someone that does know or find out yourself, which is really annoying. And I think would make a school a not safe space, in quotation marks, because I think schools whack a rainbow flag on it on, on a month in the year and go, we support our students. And then they don't actually hold the information of, what to do when you change your name or how to be an actual ally or I remember in my sixth form they had a an LGBT club which was great but it was advertised where it was so you never really felt safe enough to go to it because if someone wanted to go there with malicious intent they knew exactly where to find you and you kind of felt like a bit of a walking target which was really disappointing because it was something I really wanted to join and be a part of and find other people like me. I think that really makes a difference between like an actual safe space and and one that it may look like a safe space but isn't. I, I've spoken about this before quite a lot of um, the club that I go to is branded as a gay bar. There's rainbow flags everywhere, but I wouldn't necessarily call that an LGBT safe or friendly space. I mean, 
even though it's supposed to be an LGBT club. Like you see like two guys kissing on the dance floor and then you'll see someone scowling as they will pass. And I almost want to go, you know, this is a gay club. But because it's like, we don't really have many clubs in Luton, it's kind of the one that everyone goes to. So they don't really look at it as a gay club. It's just the club. And so like, I wouldn't look at that and say that's the same space, even though it's covered in rainbows and it's known as a gay club. It can be really frustrating and especially quite, quite dangerous, especially kind of if you're new to the community weeding out what ones are genuine and what ones look sparkly and rainbow and appealing but actually aren't it can be quite hard to pick those out because it's kind of things you know via experience or talking to people with experience and they're like oh no actually don't don't go there or go there but don't be surprised if this happens and this happens which is is really sad like it shouldn't have to be a oh you might get hate crime you might not situation for someone to work out whether a space is accessible to them you end up creating a map of familiar places that feel safe, but then those can change in, in an instant, you know, you never know. That list can get bigger and then instantly shrink as well, you know, and somewhere might feel safe and then you might have an experience and it doesn't feel safe and that could be for a number of reasons. But yeah, there's no there's no definite way of knowing, I guess. And you know, like you said, somewhere covered in rainbows doesn't always mean it's a safe place. Sometimes that even makes me more suspicious of the place. <laughs> I don't go out on nights out because I'm too scared. And I mean, I'd probably hate it anyway, but the fear is a big thing of it. But, you know, it's finding that list of your safe places and I guess sticking to those while you can. And I think what's upsetting is things like bars or restaurants or anything that shouldn't come with a warning label. And it's gotten to the point where I can't walk into just a cafe without someone making a crude remark. I'm not bothering you, so why are you going out of your way to bother me? I know sometimes it can get out of staff hands. They will have the stickers that will tell them we are a inclusive space, we are a safe space. But then why are you still letting so-and-so stand here and assault me with saying you shouldn't be in this kind of place like da, 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 whatsoever and then I kind of don't really have anywhere I feel safe to go there are a lot of coffee shops in Bedford and a lot of restaurants that I personally don't go into anymore because of previous experiences it's kind of got me to a wit's end because people will claim in Prime Month that they are a safe space advocate for this I'm like okay but then why are you quite literally only doing this during Pride Month? where is your support the other like 11 months of the year because Believe it or not, gay people don't crawl out of their hole like Michael Bublé at Christmas only during Pride Month. If you're going to support us during Pride Month, why can't you support us during every other month of the year? If you're going to advocate as being a safe space, actually do your research and be a safe space. Don't allow vulnerable young people who are just trying to find themselves and be themselves in a world where they are constantly told you can be yourself, but you can't be yourself in public. Yeah, you can only do that where no one else can see you. Because I've physically been told in things like schools, like you can be yourself, but you've got to dress like everyone else and look like everyone else and act like everyone else. And I think it's just, like Sassy said, safe spaces, genuine safe spaces are now very far and few between because you can't just slap a rainbow flag in a pub and call it a safe space when you know from personal experience that it is not a safe space. The brands that actually do something, I remember when Wagamama's they donated to mermaids, they donated to an LGBT youth pride thing. They introduced gender neutral bathrooms. Like that is a genuine supportive company because they didn't just put a pride flag on everything. They actually were making steps to 
improving accessibility and safety and things like that <laughs> why can't more people be like that why can't more brands do that and like Lucent had its first ever pride last year and that was an incredible experience and it they really went with the angle of kind of a family friendly pride which was really nice because I, I've wanted to go to prides for years but I never felt like I could because I was always really scared. But yeah, the Luton Pride was really kind of family-centred and my younger sibling came with and covered themselves in rainbow stickers and things and were screaming in the crowd. And that was a really nice thing to see. Of I've been able to find a space for them to kind of feel safe and comfortable too. But yeah, it, it was a very odd experience because Luton isn't known for being particularly a safe space ever. It was quite an odd experience standing there in a space I see all the time as, but yeah, down walk fast don't make eye contact with anyone and now it's like now I'm allowed to raise the flag and be myself like can't we keep this energy all year round because it was a really good pride and a lot of people got a lot out of it and I know pride in Luton the organization they've carried on running clubs and things and safe spaces for young people which is so desperately needed in Luton and that's really lovely like you said, it's a weird when those those spaces go back to their normal. One minute you are having a, an amazing time feeling free and then the next minute you're back to being scared again. And it's crazy how it's like, well, what's changed really? Apart from you fenced off this road the other day, how those, those experiences don't go away. You know, you can remember those spaces where those things happen. Like you said, Ash, about avoiding certain venues, even if things happen in the street, you avoid that whole road. That's why those these safe spaces are so important, because, you know, you can hope that those things will happen less. I don't think you can necessarily guarantee things won't happen in spaces unless they're exclusive spaces. But, you know, you can hope that there will be the support there that will hopefully avoid those things happening. Or if things do happen, that you'll be in a safe environment to be supported. Yeah, my friend like threw this little party for all of us during Pride Month because none of us really wanted to go to Pride because we'd all had kind of like bad experiences with certain Prides. So we were like, you know what, let's just have our own in my friend's back garden. So we were walking to her house. So we were all walking. We had just like some face paint. We had those on of our like reflective flags. And my friend had the men loving men flag. I had the, the gender fluid one. My friend had non-binary. And there was just this group of your very traditional classic Bible protesters saying, being gay is wrong. It's a sin. You're going to burn in hell. And I was just like, have fun. They had taken up basically the entire path. We basically had to take a 15 minute detour just so we didn't have to deal with just the verbal confrontation like it's almost like when you get told when you're little especially about the bullying it's like don't give them anything that can conjure a reaction I'm like yeah but that's not very fair that they can stand there and yell at me that I'm gonna burn in like the fiery pits of hell this that and the other I have done nothing but exist on the same bit of land as you in this exact moment and just my physical presence angers someone else and I'm just like I don't ever tend to interact with those kinds of people as much as that little bit in the back of my head goes do it I just get so angry out about it but it's like in the in the grand scheme of things for what I'm trying to do it's not worth it it's almost the fact that when I've been told that you're shoving the gay agenda down my throat and I'm like but you're shoving the fact that I'm going to hell if I don't repent for my sins down my throat and it's kind of that reverse psychology in a sense it's like my existence is shoving an agenda down your throat, but you yelling in my face about the Bible down my throat isn't. And it's just something I've never quite understood. I feel like with this, there's a lot of victim blaming mentality. Like if you get harassed on the streets or someone says something about how you're dressed or how you're presenting, you're told just not to do that. Just don't dress like that. And it's just like, why aren't we just saying, actually, no, that's wrong. 
instead of blaming the person for just existing or living their life it's it's the double standard that sadly still exists and I think for me it comes down to that whole equality versus equity thing of actually it's we're not we're not even at equality at the minute but some people need a little bit more to be safe it's something that really frustrates me and it makes me quite sad that I know that there are people that don't go out and hold hands with their partner because they're scared of abuse or will avoid certain areas or won't dress how they want to dress because of other people what I'm getting from all this is we've got the extremely not safe spaces and the people and their behaviors towards us in those we've got those spaces that claim to be a safe space that we can only really be uncertain of because we don't really know what to expect each time we're in those spaces and then we've got the safe spaces that we sort of described earlier and they can really rain and a lot of it is about how other people are with us and our relationships with them and it's about acceptance and that's also in those two how much are we being accepted by somewhere that claims to be supportive and it's limited in its real support and the capitalism as we were talking about. And then there's the, obviously the extreme of not being accepted at all. And yet I think what we want is just ordinary. We want a, a purple club that we can just go in as ordinary people and not feel threatened, not feel like we have to behave a certain way. The whole concept of, well, you know, you should behave a certain way just to fit in. Is that feeling we just want to fit in without having to act a certain way. We don't want to have that feeling we have to assimilate or be segregated. We just want something ordinary. And to some extent, ordinary is a safe space when we get there. Thank you, everyone, for such valuable information and all your experiences. Following on from that, what resources and safe spaces are available for young people that are genuine and really accessible as well? Rainbow Bedfordshire produces the resources booklet and we regularly update it. We regularly update it and recently I thought, well, we need to make sure that we've got plenty for young people in there. Rainbow Bedfordshire operates without any barriers. We're as inclusive as we can be. So that means anyone can come to one of our events. If you if you don't live in Bedford, it's okay. You can come from anywhere, not even Bedfordshire. Anywhere in the world, you can come to one of our events. You can be a young person. You could be an adult. If you're a very young person, we ask that you have an adult with you. But yeah, we consider those to be safe spaces. And I hope the people that come to them do as well. We run a swimming club, which is twice a month, once in the evening and once in the afternoon. And as Cersei was saying earlier about you don't always want to give all the information out, we always hold back what time those are held so that someone has to contact us before they can turn up because they won't know what time to turn up. Much as we want to be able to give all the information because we want to be out and proud. At the same time, we have to protect our community. Um, and then every fortnight we do craftivism, which is craft and activism. And for that, we are not so concerned with people bringing an adult parent with them because it's different to the swimming and it's daytime and it's in town centre at the Higgins Museum and Gallery. And really, in terms of the swimming, you don't have to be able to swim as long as you're not going to drown. You don't have to be able to swim. With the craft, because you don't even have to be that good at craft, because you can turn up and just have a cup of tea with us. Because the idea is we we just feel safe together, and there's solidarity. There's definitely solidarity there, and we can have a whinge and a moan, and then we can have a laugh, and we can all share experiences 
and uh, it feels positive. For Luton, uh, I touched on it earlier, Pride in Luton run events across the year. It wasn't just the big Pride. They've done a big gay picnic and they did a Christmas social thing. Um, so like keeping up to date with what they're doing, they're super family friendly as well. I think just similar things apply of if you're a very young person, having an adult to accompany you is a good idea. And for more educational resources, Luton Sexual Health Clinic has an amazing bit on their website and lots of resources about um, staying safe as a young person, uh, gender identity, same sex, sex ed, which is very hard to come by. And yeah, lots of lots of really good resources and even can provide someone if you just need a chat. Yeah, I think they're amazing. Everything they do um, is really amazing. We've got someone at our Rainbow Beverages Steering Group and his name is Drew and he works at Luton Sexual Health and he's a great guy. I wanted to mention in Bedford and in Milton Keynes, I believe there's Q Youth, which is an offshoot of Q Alliance. And it has a huge membership. There's like 30 of them. And they meet in quite a small room at the Place Theatre of an evening. And we went there to paint rocks with them. And it was great fun. I actually felt like I was going to feel overwhelmed, but I didn't at all in the end. (laughs) Because I thought, obviously, I'm more than twice the age of all these people, so I might not fit in. But they were all great. They all tolerated me anyway. We run our our Better Days VLMK campaign, where we host workshops open to any young people across Bedford, Luton and Milton Keynes. And although they're not exclusively LGBT spaces, you know, we we try to make them safe spaces for everyone, especially very mindful of, of the community within that. So yeah, that's always there. And we are setting up at the start of this year a, a group for service users of CAMS who identify as trans or are questioning their gender identity, which will be a, a safe space. So keep your eyes peeled for that if you're a service user. Our social media is always worth following as well. Uh, so we are Better Days BLMK on every platform. We post fairly regularly, but there, there'll probably be some resources on there that, um, that could be quite helpful. Thank you so much to each um, and every one of you for sharing your experience and your perspective with us and being so open and honest about, you know, your, your experience in life, but also things that will be really helpful for other young people who are navigating the same things you had to as well. Everything that was said was so valuable. And thank you so much for everyone who tuned in to listen to the podcast. I think now will be a good time to probably mention that we are hoping to continue this into a bit of a series to share more resources and to spread a bit more awareness about safety for LGBTQ+. And also, it's just ways that we can spread awareness that we might not necessarily already know about. So... Hopefully this has been a helpful podcast for you. And if you want to share it with anyone you might you think might find it helpful, please feel free to do so. But thank you so much and hopefully we'll have you join us in the next one. You've been listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. 
If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk, or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag camstalkpodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.